0: For the final time in Robert Johnson month, you know what time it is. Everybody, put your earphones in. Uh, take them out of your ears right now. <laughs> what? Take them out of your ears right now because it's time for
1: Mixed Up All oh, right. Confusion. Man, we do this so infrequently. I forget you're going to do that. And I'm just like really like, what's about to happen? Man, it's a killing me. <laughs>
2: They're just they're people. and are all too hard to please.
0: Welcome back to the final episode of our Robert Johnson Month Mixed Up Confusion Special. If you're putting in your headphones right now, welcome back to our final episode of the Robert Johnson Mixed Up Confusion Special. If you're putting in your headphones right now, welcome. Oh, my God. Oh, my
1: God. I thought you were having a stroke.
0: Kelly, we have spent the entire month listening to Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson adjacent stuff, thinking about Robert Johnson, watching documentaries on Robert Johnson. Last time, two weeks ago, we talked about Remastered. Uh, We talked about things like searching for Robert Johnson and just like other documentaries, which we have then subsequently watched.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: we're going to touch on that a little bit as we kind of go through. But today... We're dedicating this to King of the Delta Blues Singers, the 1961 record released by Columbia Records. The first real interaction with Robert Johnson by the public, by us. I don't know. Yeah. And then we're going to next week talk about 3220 Blues, Bob Dylan's cover of the Robert Johnson song that is on this record. And we're going to do our final thoughts there. So we're not going to do another episode. We're just going to. Condense it all next week. So Kelly, before we even get into it, did you, was this your first interaction with Robert Johnson? Do you even know where you first heard him? I mean, you sort of said you, you remembered listening to it. You've probably listened to the whole thing somehow, yeah. some way, but you just don't remember. So you, that's why you wanted to do it.
1: Well, yeah. When we first moved to Portland, I went through a massive identity crisis where I thought I was going to be a person who smoked cigars and listened to blues. So that was funny. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I remember the cigar stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm.
1: So I believe that probably made it into the rotation while that was happening. You know, it takes like two fucking hours to smoke a cigar. So I was just sitting on our little balcony porch listening to the blues and smoking cigars. Wow. But that, I mean, I needed a thing. I guess I thought I was going to be, you know, a 60 year old man. Like was with the ducks. You're just hanging out I with the just ducks, just the ducks. smoking yeah. cigars. Mm-hmm.
0: I love it.
1: So I would imagine that I listened to Robert Johnson at some point. But considering that he, kind of like Bob Dylan, that I didn't realize he was responsible for some songs that are obviously really pervasive in our culture, Yeah. Um, then, yeah, if I have heard Robert Johnson. You out there listening, you've heard Robert Johnson. Oh, sure, for sure. So maybe not him, maybe not the original recording, but you've heard his original music before. So Absolutely. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really cool. Um, And I think it, it sort of... Once you kind of like listen to music your whole life, if you've never heard this, you come to this and you're like, oh, this all feels very familiar, some of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And sometimes it can feel overwhelmingly the same in a way, you know, because the blues can kind of feel like that at times. But then there's so many little tiny flourishes, so many little touches that I, all of those things have made it into popular music as well. Mm -hmm. All of the little slides and little uh, melodies and the way he changes words and, Even the lyrical touches, things not making sense, things being opposited, what he was saying and intending, the sex. I mean, all over the place. Oh,
1: we'll get into that or we We can get into it right now.
0: We'll definitely get well first we're gonna do a little overview.
1: I went to the
0: course we're talking today about the 1961 classic king of the delta blues singers uh john hammond famously uh was instrumental in the release of this record uh he put on a concert as you would know if you watch the documentaries or know anything about robert johnson's life and i think we touched on it on our last mixed up confusion uh from spirituals to swing uh, the concert series he put on uh looking for artists to bring to the mainstream, I guess, you know, to showcase where the music that they were listening to came from uh, and and people like that. And, and of course, he died right before those concerts took place. Uh, and then about, you know, 40 years later, after the Depression, after the war, we finally got around to um, folk music being, you know, part of that revival and taking these songs that they had access to and putting it out there. The album consists of 16 mono recordings. Nine of them were previously available as 78s on Uh, The Vicalion on the Vicalion label uh, originally performed over two sessions in 1936 and 1937. The album was later reissued in 1998 with a a newly discovered bonus track. And Rolling Stone labeled this the number 27 album on their 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Wow. Bob Dylan has heard this record. (laughs) You don't say. No. And he was heavily influenced by him. Apparently, John Hammond gave him an advance copy uh, in this, the late summer of 1961. Again, 61 is when this came out or it's about to come out. Bob Dylan is about to go record, you know, he's brand new to the label. So him, Hamm- him just giving this to him is pretty interesting. Uh, and Dylan wrote about it in Chronicles volume one. He said, quote, I'd never heard of Robert Johnson, never heard the name, never seen any of it on any of the compilation blues records. Hammond said, I should listen to it, that this guy could quote, whip anybody." He showed me the artwork, an unusual painting where a painter with the eye stares down from a ceiling ceiling into the room and sees this fiercely intense singer and guitar player. Looks no more than medium weight, but with shoulders like an acrobat. What an electrifying cover. I stared at the illustration. Whoever the singer was in the picture, he already had me possessed. On an alternative history where we did Dave Van Ronk month instead of Robert Johnson month, it actually coincides here perfectly uh, because... What did Bob Dylan do when he took the the acetate of of Robert Johnson? Ran right to Dave Van Ronk's house. He said, quote, I had the thick acetate of the Robert Johnson record in my hands, and I asked Van Ronk if he'd ever heard of him. Dave said, nope, he hadn't. And we put it on the record player so we could listen to it. From the first note, the vibrations from the loudspeaker made my hair stand up. The stabbing sounds from the guitar could almost break a window. When Johnson started singing, he seemed like a guy who could have sprung from the head of Zeus in full armor. I immediately differentiated between him and anyone else I'd ever heard. The songs weren't customary blues songs. They were perfected pieces. Each song contained four or five verses. Every couplet intertwined with the next, but not in obvious ways. They were so utterly fluid. At first, they went by too quick, too quick to even get. They jumped all over the place in a range and subject matter, short, punchy verses that resulted in some panoramic story. Fires of mankind blasting off the surface of a spinning piece of plastic. Dave Van Ronk was not impressed. And he said, this is skip James. This is Leroy Carr. Oh, this is Lonnie purist. Johnson. Boom. Coming in hot. And Dylan was like, listen, and this is such a Dylan thing. Now in hindsight, we know Dylan was like, I don't care. You know, he took the stuff and he made it better. He took it all. He made it his own. I'm not going to quibble with the authorial, um, you know, backstory of these songs. These songs stand for what they are. You, you know, you, We've talked about that. I mean, this whole podcast is a lot of that. Where do we draw the line between Bob Dylan stealing a song straight mm-hmm. up? And where does it come with the tradition of doing this sort of thing? So no
1: wonder he felt an immediate kinship with Robert Johnson.
0: Immediate kinship. <laughs> immediate. And and brought in stuff like the Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie was a huge uh, Carter family enthusiast and took a lot of stuff from the Carter family. And the Carter family took from there and Johnson took from there and just keep going back and back and back forever. Uh, Michael Gray, when he was sort of uh, telling the story in the Bob Dylan encyclopedia... He kind of maybe gets into Bob Dylan's mind a little bit. He says, quote, originality comes from what you do with what's there, not by devising some underground novelty, the kind of originality never lasts or adds to the great chain that's, that stretches link by link from art of the deep past to the combustible present. And I think Bob Dylan would agree with with that idea of the link in the chain, which we've certainly talked about a lot on the this, on this show. And in the end, Bob Dylan says that if he hadn't heard this compilation, quote, there probably would have been hundreds of lines of mine that wouldn't that would have been shut down that i wouldn't have felt free enough or unpraised enough to write and it was big enough for him that it showed up on the cover of bringing it all back home his 1965 record uh where you can see king of the Delta oh, blue right, singers yeah, yeah. right there on that's the... one of the
1: records I'm like like that he's holding awkwardly what i don't know no, it's, it's like, just is it there, a coffee but... table behind yeah it? it's
0: like a, well it's like a lounge
1: Oh, she's on like a Chase Lounge thing, and he's sitting on the end of it, and between them are records. Yeah. Who's the lady?
0: That's uh, Sally Grossman. That's Albert Grossman's wife. Oh. And yeah, so you got a cover of Time. I mean, we'll talk about this cover, because it's pretty iconic. And there's lots of stuff going on, but you also see the impressions back there. Right, yeah. So a lot of modern stuff, obviously not modern stuff, reading Mm -hmm. papers and love putting his little guy little (laughs) record back there too uh so anyways i mean a big enough deal to to warrant getting on one of his records and i think it says a lot especially because something like outlaw blues is on that record and you know that's where we first kind of started talking about all this stuff so very interesting so kelly before we get into it we're just kind of go through song by song how did you feel about listening to this for robert johnson month we kind of listen to this and like the centennial and stuff like that, you know, cause he only has what, 20, 20 41 songs total. So 29 yeah. originals plus the alternate takes and stuff like that.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I don't know that I could tell you which one was which because I listened to both of them kind of interchangeably. So I know the suite of songs it's, I went kind of crazy on trying to find more information for context for Robert Johnson's music. Because, was that
0: important for you?
1: Yeah. Because I didn't get it. Like, I don't, and I don't, I can't say honestly that I get it even now. Mm-hmm. Technically, great guitar player. That's yeah. undeniable. Like, objectively, the guy could play guitar in a way that people weren't familiar with. And the way that he was able to arrange music, especially honky-tonk music, uh, that's intended for a piano originally, yeah. and play it on a guitar where you could hear, like, it seemed as if there was two guitars playing, right? Like, Keith Richards, huge fan. <laughs> huge <laughs> Every fan. documentary, he's got Every, a Literally, I've watched... Three, four maybe documentaries mm-hmm. for about Robert Johnson. He's in every single one of them yeah, saying the same thing. <laughs> the guy is fucking amazing and no one can touch him. And that he was, it sounded like there were two people playing. And that's true because there's uh, a, like a distinct baseline and a lead throughout all of them, which is oh, like, man. how do you even do that? And we, yeah. we talk about how his fingers were long so he could maybe fold his thumb over in a way that other people couldn't do it. And, and just, I don't know. I think finding out the most uh, insightful piece of information I found out about him was that in the documentary we watched recently called blues America that BBC four did, uh, it's a two part documentary that came out in 2013 and it's about the history of blues music. And they specifically called him out for being Robert Johnson. That is called him out for kind of taking what already existed mm-hmm. and just, making it better Uh, and and like when you have those tools behind you when you have all those original blues guys behind you to to take from to make better like it's it's a nice catalog to pull from
0: sure and And other things too not just that but I mean that's also his thing it's not only just the blues but being able to pull all the right I mean he played
1: polka and that was the thing like in order to survive as a musician at the time you had to be able to play what everybody Mm -hmm. wanted you to play and he he could and that was one of the most galling things about him to people that didn't understand how he could be so good was that like how can you do all of these things and then having the presence of mind to incorporate I think that's why my favorite songs of his are the ones that aren't 12-bar blues standard. Me too. Um, because they're more interesting. Because he like, look at my fucking depth and mm-hmm. the way that he could go with his voice. So I wanted to find more context because blues, even when Robert Johnson's doing it and adding, you know, kind of incorporating different styles from different people – Sounds very much the same over and over again. So I didn't really get it. So I wanted to. I wanted somebody to straight up tell me this is different than what other people were doing, and this is the reason why. This is why people are falling over themselves about this guy because he was able to do things musically that other people couldn't at the time. And while I got that a little bit, and bit like kind of bits and pieces, I, I, nothing was satisfactorily, because it's just hard to keep that idea in your head. We're talking about almost a hundred years sure. of difference to keep in your mind what music, the scope of music was at that time is impossible to, to to even keep in your mind, the level of poverty and the fucking like terrible segregation and and conditions that everybody was living in. And for somebody to even accomplish anything, this guy to even be able to get to fucking Texas to record a record. Like all that is hard to keep in my head because it's like, I can go listen to music right now. That is light years beyond what Robert Johnson was capable of doing with his, you know, Gibson L one, whatever guitar. Yeah. So that's hard.
0: But people weren't doing it back then, of right. the course. And,
1: that, and that's the thing you try to kind of remember. You have, have to, to remember. keep that in context. I think the coolest thing that I might have learned about him recording the music that he was capable of producing was that when he went to record, I think in the, because the, the first one was in Houston, the second one was in Dallas, if I believe that the recording sessions. San, San Antonio and Dallas. San Antonio does. Okay. Mm-hmm. He, when he got into the room, he turned his chair around and faced the corner mm-hmm. And the way that he, they were like, why is you set up? Okay, so recording technology was super bunk back in the day. I mean, so it was cool. literally a microphone <laughs> at, that you had to place in the exact right spot to pick up your guitar and your voice. And it would go directly onto the, the shellac or vinyl or whatever they're recording right. on. No mixing, Amazing. Amazing. no engineering, <laughs> just straight onto the fucking tape, right? Not tape, vinyl, whatever.
0: Not tape, very important. <laughs> very tape. important, not
1: tape. <laughs> uh, so he got in the room that had already been set up, like, here's your chair, here's where the microphone goes, that we can pick up your stuff, he's like, that's great, and just turned the chair around and moved the mic to where he wanted it into a corner, and that served two purposes for him. One, apparently the guy was very uh, cognizant of people trying to ape his style, which is hilarious considering he took from everybody else, but he was like, I don't want people to know how I'm making the sound that I'm making, so he turned his chair around for that, but also the very important thing he did while facing the corner was he was able to get an echo. He was able to essentially create a guitar effect that didn't exist at the time by simply using the, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like science of sound, right? Like yeah. just the way that acoustics and sound waves vibrate. So what you hear is what you think. What you think you hear is a baseline continuing Mm. through his plucking mm. but it's not actually there. Well, He's just transitioning so fast and the and 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 that's the thing about the blues and maybe him specifically it's like it's already in your bones like it already got mm. there so you you want to hear it so you do hear it almost so it's like mm. if you pay close attention the bass isn't happening but it's already happening in you like in your soul you know what I yeah. mean. So it's carrying through, even though he's not playing those notes at the time.
0: So you feel like I feel like you you're, you've been converted. It's like you're preaching the gospel right now.
1: He's good. Uh, my my biggest problems are just like you know the same misogynist crap that's existed sure. so, for time in memoriam. But yeah,
0: but, I mean uh, that makes a lot of this rough, and that's I mean we're not only going to talk about that today a little bit, but like definitely for thirty two twenty. I mean it's. Right cut you down yeah. Like, yeah so
1: but he was a great guitar player he's a, a great guitar, guitar player. player and yeah. i like in one of the documentaries you watch i don't know they're all fucking bleeding together i watched one from 1997 that has danny glover in it he's yeah. like the narrator of it and it's actually really good i would suggest watching that it's called can't you hear the wind Howlin uh from 97 it takes a lot of interviews from like johnny shines and it's just like it's very cool and well done and yeah. i would definitely recommend that over watching john hammond's one but anyway um
0: i cannot get on board with that <laughs> That is a masterpiece of American documentary making. Uh, it's it? British, right? Uh, who doesn't want John Hammond Jr. playing on trains all day? Oh my gosh. That was really rough. Well, and also it's very interesting. We, I, we watched that blues thing together mm-hmm. and I found myself somewhat being transported back to like the documentaries I've watched about like jazz and other music and minstrelsy in the 20th century and you would have the same character. And every one of them has this character who comes in and says, "I was on this street where nothing but, insert genre here, was playing." We had the guy right, on there saying right, yeah. it was blues day and night. Right. That same person on that same street would tell you is jazz day right, and night. Yes. You know what I mean? And Swing. I think
1: nothing but big band.
0: And that's what was interesting about that blues one is that they really cut it all out. They they didn't hardly acknowledge jazz at all as a concept. Right. And Bob Dylan was completely erased. I mean, like cool things like that were, I think, needed because they get over, they overshadow things that, I mean, Bob Dylan's not relevant, really. But I, I, I love that they didn't insist upon doing it. So I really like that. But things like the jazz are probably, the jazz, things like jazz are probably way more important to the story of the blues, especially in the 20th century oh, sure. and its popularity. But you have to pare probably, down to tell,
1: if you're trying to tell that one story, it's tough. I know, but you
0: wanted more. Yeah. That's the thing that I think right. your your problem is like the overview was really great. And we got to know a lot of faces and we got to see a lot of really great archival footage that you're probably going to see over and over and over again as you keep diving more in. Mm-hmm. But because it's not a 12-part documentary, you're just not going to get, unfortunately, you're going to be left hanging.
1: Oh, that's what it was. I, I think in the Blues America, someone said if if he was still around, if Robert Johnson was still around, he'd be... Kicking the shit out of everything that was popular now. Like, he would be the electric blues god. And maybe it wouldn't have been BB yeah. King or whomever it was, right? Like, he would have been doing it too. And maybe. I, I, maybe, right? Who knows? I mean, who knows? But he definitely had the voice for it. I think he that's did. maybe one of the most. Undeniable things about his voice Is that not only did it have a range Because you can go from You know, hot tamales To, you know, something that's Incredibly soulful and mournful Like, you know, Crossroads is easy All the yeah. other ones But, like, to get That depth is intense And he sounds like he's 800 years old And the dude's 26 Like, what? I got a good set She long and tall She sleeps in the kitchen With a piece in the hole. Hot tamales and the red heart Yeah, she
2: got a for sale I mean Yeah, she got a for sale Hot the red yeah, she got a say. Hot the red yeah, she got a say. She
1: got
0: two foot nickel, got four foot dime. Do you have any? What are your highlights?
1: From the, um, I mean, I like Hot Tamale one of my favorites for okay, sure. Okay, so that's
0: on number two. That's not even on number one. Oh well, you're just going oh, general. Yeah, on this one, on this one, we've got we've got Crossroad Blues. Obviously, I think is a, is a perfect choice for the beginning. Terraplane Blues, which is mm-hmm. his biggest hit or whatever. Uh, Come on in my kitchen, which is a classic. Walking Blues last fair deal gone down thirty two twenty blues which mm-hmm. we'll get to kind-hearted blues and if i had possession over judgment day that was side side one okay. any of those stand out to you
1: um terraplane blues i think it was the reason it was a hit just because it had some really good like imagery and movement to it
0: yeah um you mean on a sea that's aquaplaning in the air that's aeroplaning but on the land in the traffic on the hills hot diggity dog that's terraplaning <laughs>
1: Yes, just like that, which is funny because it does seem like a car commercial almost, but then also it's just sex.
0: It's just, well, yeah, kind of risk, very risque yes. car commercial for 1936.
1: <laughs> 30 sex. Uh, I mean, Crossroad Blues is a big deal because it lends into that whole myth. Like that was the least interesting part of Before for all of it was that he sold his soul to the devil because it's like Amen. obviously not true and it's stupid. I do like that it like got all these, especially the white kids, like the white liberal middle class kids in the 60s are like, yeah. oh man, that's a story. That's great. Although that myth didn't come around until almost later no. after the fact.
0: I think people, it, I think the mystery, again, we know so much more today about it, but if we were too enamored people talking about an unknown figure, that's how this stuff gets made up. Mm-hmm. Like when you don't even know where they died or where they were born. These are just mythical people almost living in the world. I mean, I think it's silly now because we've, we've known shift now for 25 plus years. Let's like let it go. Yeah. It's more, it's more like the remastered. We're talking about the history of the myth, less that it's real. Right. Or anything like that. I mean, of course, nobody believes that shit. But he went out to practice in a graveyard. Get it together. Right. People. And I think that. But it's a great song. That's
1: it- why it's cool like to latch on to only in the sense that blues is such an obvious starting point of rock and roll and like that's, that's such true. a thing in rock and roll like because the blues was the devil's music and rock and roll has been the devil's music it's just like that's so cool like proto like gothy devil like stuff that's it's all back here and i think that's fun like, like little rock kids are like yeah that's awesome <laughs> well i like <laughs>
0: the bbc thing moving on from the blues moved on to you know hard rock which moved on to heavy metal mm-hmm. and like that that being a like zeal and ardor you know being like a sort of a blues right hard metal but all of them every single type of category that feels like a natural progression to me mm-hmm. less so the folk you know acoustic fleet foxes route or whatever well, you know it's even... like folk and blues cross-roaded and one of them <laughs> won off to be Shawn mendez and one of them went off to be zealand arder and i'd rather take that path with the blues than right than Dashboard Confessional or something.
1: Well, even Slipknot. Members of Slipknot have credited Robert Johnson as inspirations, and like, these
0: are not not shocking though. Well, no, ways. it's not,
1: and it's I think it's because of this kind of stuff yeah. where like the Crossroad Blues, the idea of like being so desperate. I don't know. It, it feels good because even almost a hundred years on, like you're not special. You know what I mean? Like like sure. angry little blue oh, metal kid. Yeah. Like you're not special. Like this guy also felt that way a hundred years ago. Something well, that, nice about that.
0: And that's comforting.
1: Yeah. That's what I mean, getting. hopefully,
0: someone would find comfort in that. And yeah. That, and not I don't mean sadness. that in demeaning way. No, no, I like, know. Yeah. This is... But you often feel like you're alone, and this immediately you put on this record, which, you know, would be one of those classic records mm-hmm. that people will listen to when they're going through the lists of the thousand records you need to listen to before you die. This will be one of them. Mm-hmm. And you start with Crossroad Blues. It's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, it does everything. It's got the great, you know, the great melody, the great voice, the great guitar playing, the roaming bass line, which, like, how do you even make that sound? Like, mm-hmm. all the stuff about it. Are amazing and it does it's not a traditional like blues song like some of these others are way more just like five verses knock them up with you know the two that repeat one another right, the, 12 bar, the, yeah. the 12 bar blue exactly like that starts to wear a little bit on you right um especially if you're not paying super attention i think that might say something about us though it's like our attentions now that we have stuff like spotify and blah 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 we're, we don't give it to stuff. I mean, so part of this podcast is to stop what we're doing and give attention, give attention to what we're listening to. Like I found it really rewarding because I have owned a Robert Johnson poster in my house before, (laughs) but I would not say that I knew enough. I just knew the big hits, you know, and I know like the, the general thrust of his life, but I've learned so much. I've read so much and it's been great. And these documentaries, I, I just, for some reason just never go to it. I'm glad that you're a super documentary head and I'm like, yeah, let's I want to jump on that it's the train. Only
1: way I consume knowledge. <laughs> yeah, cuz
0: I'm I'm like, yeah, doing these like long reads about like his copyright protection and stuff, which we're going to get into because I'm fascinating. Like who owns the rights to Robert Johnson? Great like point.
1: I don't know, it's, I no idea.
0: And we don't have the scope in this um in the show to to talk about all of that. And right. I think just like with the band and just like with Woody Guthrie, there's a lot left unsaid and the point is there's so much to talk about. Go, and it's always fun. Go learn go learn, go watch yeah. these documentaries, especially. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say crossword blues is of course perfect. Uh, it's a, it's a really, really great song. I just constantly, when I was doing this, just got a uh, little palpitations about Bob Dylan, like come on in my kitchen. He's got a line. You better come on in my kitchen. Hey, it's going to be raining outdoors. I'm thinking, you know, shelter from the storm. Anyone eh, there's yeah. a line, uh, and it takes a lot to laugh at train to cry. Uh, the winter time is coming. It's going to be slow. Same thing on that song. um, Walking Blues, uh, apparently that was a Sun House song from the, from 1930. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of Walking Down the Line, episode yeah. 63. I mean, not the song so much, but the walking part, you know, because right. the song is called Walking Down the Line. That was
1: the most, like, quintessentially 12-bar blues yeah. song, I feel like, of the sides, that the ones that you've mentioned so far, like— but his voice sounds like he's a million years old, which is cool.
0: Which is really cool, yeah. yeah. And then he he's, he says something called Ride the Blind, which I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan uses the line Ride the Blind in one of his first songs he ever recorded, When I, I Was Young When I Left Home, uh, which is from 1950, 1960? 1959, 1960? Um, it's on the Boolean series, Volume 7, No Direction Home.
2: Used to tell me more sometimes when I see them riding blinds. Gonna make me a whole out in the wind, in the wind, Loud in the wind, make me a home out in the wind.
0: But apparently to ride the blind is to attach yourself to the blind baggage car. Oh. So you're not going into the thing, but you're on a, you know, no windows or whatever. And it's right behind the engine. So the baggage car and the engine oh. and you ride... Where nobody can, in in sense see you. Fucking amazing. Uh, So, like when Bob Dylan wrote in that line, you know, it's like he was already at that stage, you know, researching what this sort of thing was and and appropriating that language, just like so much, so much else. Bob Dylan just took it and did did with it what he would. Uh, And then he said uh, the line in "Walking Blues." Well, some people tell me that the Worry Blues ain't bad, and Bob Dylan's got some called "Worry Blues" too. A lot of these, we're just going to come back to Robert Johnson throughout the rest of this podcast, sure. essentially, is what I'm saying. Well, that's um, why I, w-
1: I thought it was a good idea to do this. It's fantastic.
0: Last Fair Deal Gone Down. When the deal goes down. We did it. You know what I mean? It's, it's incredible. Like, what, Last Fair Deal Gone Down. There's a whole history of the Gulf and Ship Island Railroad.
1: Yeah, I was wondering what the Gulf thing was about. Yeah,
0: so apparently it's, just, it's, a, it's a railroad huh. that used convict labor. Um, back in the, um, you know, 18 after post-war 1870s, 1880s, um, essentially there was a, a book that has been mentioned before in this podcast by Douglas Blackman called slavery by another name. And it's essentially that it's, it's taking convicted prisoners prison work camps, yeah. and, and putting them into, uh, to build railroads and do whatever. And I thought that was probably the one, the, the most interesting thing that I had not thought of in that BBC documentary is the idea of the Delta Not being some ancient world that they're building, bubbled up, but it would not exist without the Army Corps of Engineers, and it's all, in a sense, pre-manufactured and like land that was created by damming the place, Mm -hmm. and then you know people moved in and put up houses and shit and attracted people to those little you know plantations, and that's wild to think of because in my head it's super ancient; it's just people have been there forever, right? And they just haven't, so it's a fascinating concept of of Again, writing about this railroad that existed way before Robert Johnson was even born. It was sold to the Illinois Central in 1925, 11 years before he even recorded it. So like even by then, you know, because they make a big point in those documentaries about how even just a few years after people were going down there in the 50s and the railroads were already weeded over yeah. and shit. So it's like There's he's this writing about his... this railroad that is already – Obsolete by the time he's singing about it, but he's clearly that is a, a an idea out there in the world, which kind of speaks to our own ideas of history and memory. How do we remember and commemorate the past? And clearly, he heard this line from somewhere and sort of incorporated it into his own songs and based on other songs and, and things like that. So it's fascinating. Yeah, I had no idea about any of that. Um, 3220 Blues, we're obviously going to talk about that uh next week, so stay tuned for that. But so we won't go into that. Uh, Kind Hearted Woman Blues is another big. Big one of his uh, apparently was an answer to cruel hearted woman blues. And that's another thing too the call and response sort of thing, mm. uh, answering another song, sort of answer songs. Right. Uh, so Bumblebee Slim did cruel hearted woman blues. And then he responded with kind hearted woman blues.
1: I like the falsetto thing he does. I guess it's probably what the mm-hmm. um, Skip James like connection. Like mm. that's Skip James. I imagine Van Rock was like, I already heard this. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, and, then, and this
0: is uh, the the tune is based on mean uh, Mistreat her, Mama, by Lee Roy Carr, which is also Dave Van Ronk. Was like, this is Lee Roy Carr. Like, what yeah. are you even talking about? And then the final song on side one is If I Had Possession Over Judgment Day. Um, did you like that that riff, oh Kelly? <laughs>
1: I like that it was like erratic plucking and whining. Can you
0: not wait to hear it again? Completely stolen, one hundred percent, in "Rollin' and Tumbling" by Bob Dylan. (laughs) In (laughs) fact, there's a line called "And I rolled and I tumbled and I cried the whole night long" that he takes verbatim Uh... in "Rollin' (laughs) and Tumbling."
2: riff is really good
0: another great example of like that's a cool-ass riff and then like you get really good musicians to do that riff i get this rolling tumblin's really fun but that has like this unique quality that is an incredible well that's like, such
1: like a country rock right down 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 like can't you just oh yeah. stevie fucking Ray Von mm. doing that right now yeah
0: i just love the way that he does what dylan will sometimes do is like emphasize his own words with the with the the music with mm-hmm. when he would do like um and I went to the mountain look as far as my eyes could see dun, 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 you know he'll do yeah. the thing over that uh, some other man got a woman and I got these you know lonesome blues got me you know he's playing on mm-hmm. that last line and doing that riff is fucking just I just want it in my veins I love it <laughs> I love it so much side two uh for, for this classic record and we'll talk a little bit more about our other favorites because their red hot is definitely on my top list too I can't believe it's not on this it makes sense why it's not but we'll get to that in a second side two we got Preaching Blues uh, When You Got a Good Friend Rambling on My Mind Stones in My Passway Traveling Riverside Blues Milk Cows Calf Blues Jesus. and then the, the classics Me and the Devil Blues and Hellhound on My Trail uh, so they close it out pretty solid I would say that it starts to dip uh, in quality at this point uh, when you start up this this side, I, I I like preaching blues though. I think it's I think it's pretty good.
1: I like lyrically it's interesting, just like the one we just talked about. If I have possession over Judgment Day, mm. just like that's the things that the music of his that I like the most it, are things that are not just twelve bar blues. Yes, and no disrespect, but like that just kind of feels the same after a while. Yeah, uh, or if they're lyrically interesting without just being outright you know misogynist like it I like the ones that are self reflective like this is like navel gazy yeah, yeah. you know music before we are going to go through our Nineties, uh, <laughs> eighties, new romantic stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's a great point. Yeah, I like those. I mean, that's why like Stones in the Past Away or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's it's nice. It's got like a little religious vibe to it. It's just got an existential dread, uh, which I think Hellhound on the Trail is also a perfect oh, like sure, yeah. Just what is going on here in this in this world? Pretty Blues is, is is cool. It's actually this one's probably more interesting than anything in a Bob Dylan connection because, like I said before at the top, he had never heard of Robert Johnson, and that might be true. But Sam Charters, who we met in the BBC documentary, uh, he passed away in 2015. Everyone died in 2015, actually, related to Robert Johnson, uh, which we'll talk about later, I guess. Um, He produced a book called The Country Blues, famous book, still in print. People still refer to it to this day. uh, And they released a 1959 compilation on Folkways Records as well. Folkways Records were based in Greenwich Village. Those records got everywhere, and Bob Dylan is known to have listened to the Country blues was it
1: affiliated with that shop that that guy owned that no, they recorded, okay no,
0: no, that was um
1: oh Folkways was more of like a never mind, I was thinking some of those okay. yeah,
0: I know what you're saying. I forget yeah. what the guy's name is, uh so Dylan would have definitely encountered the record, however, he might not have known that it was Robert right. Johnson that he was hearing, so he didn't put two and two together, but it's almost inconceivable that he hadn't heard this song, but it is strange because I will say this song is is pretty good, I like this song a lot, but it does not hold water to like crossroad blues like. You this one I could see getting more lost than some of like Hellhound on my trail. You're sure. not gonna listen to that and be like, oh that I will forget that one. Right. Like you will remember that song. But Preaching Blues is pretty good. I liked it because it, it it broke down what the blues are. The blues are a walking like a man. They felled mama's child. They tore me up inside. Uh they're a low down shake and chill. Uh there's something that you ain't never had, and Robert Johnson hopes that you never will. They're an aching old heart disease like consumption, Killing Me By Degrees, which Dylan takes for the song Where Are You Tonight, Journey Through Dark Heat. And the blues can also be studied away with the rain.
1: Yeah. I
0: I didn't know that about the blues until I listened to this song.
1: Well, it was nice of him to inform you. Yeah. because you know, Is it raining?
0: Can I study away my
1: blues? I think so. You just got to look out the window.
0: How oh, but I got to study? See, that's the important thing. You can't mm. just look. You got you to gotta get in. You got to reflect.
1: Well, that sounds hard. I don't appreciate it him giving me a chore so from the past skip not very, very nice yeah um i think this also preach of blues especially like the what's i don't know what the parathetical title is up jump the devil right mm. i think this also plays right into rock and roll too just mm-hmm. that vibe of because he did like turn away from christianity right part of his legend his biography like because everything you got to do so much of his life is just told through anecdotes it's hard yeah. to know what is real, like you which call is the
0: devil's music. It's like, you're, yeah, you're like, <laughs>
1: exactly. And like, that's part of why he's appealing. Cause he's an enigma and will never really ah. know the truth. And it, he can be whatever you want him to be. Mm-hmm. But part of it was that he, when he was very young, he married a woman who uh, died during childbirth, her right. and the, and the child. And it, it, it is said that he turned away from Christianity in that Ooh. moment because they blamed him for it. Right. And, um, for playing the devil's music and like he's like fine if you want me to be this fucking guy I'll be that fucking guy and like
0: preach the blues baby
1: yeah so I Almost think that Satan's yeah minion it got a, yeah well Satan's got a hold of him obviously so oh. I think that this oh. this is certainly in that that oeuvre of like why Robert Johnson is, is oh sure a rock god and that he is you know the OG <laughs> devil guy
0: <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne's listening to that like I,
1: yeah, bet, it, I bet I bet Ozzy fucking it. did oh yeah
0: one hundred percent yeah did. yeah. I mean, black Sabbath is mm-hmm. definitely part of this.
1: That's cool that you like claimed to have sold your soul to the devil. I'm just gonna eat a bat. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. <laughs>
0: Incredible. When you got a good friend, uh, we we might have even had this on our playlist because uh, he she's got the line in there. She's got a bra- I, she's a brown skinned woman. Oh, right. uh, just as sweet as a girlfriend can be. That's an outlaw blues, right? I got in, a
1: brown skinned woman. I'm pretty uh, sure Jackson. that's a William song. I, we talked we definitely talked about it i
0: mean but the line would be from here right so um, willie nelson famously gay has <laughs> has stolen ha, you're saying willie nelson has stolen a line from See? robert johnson
1: <laughs> yeah that I, that one was like the least problematic song of all of them where he's just like go, oh i know
0: wonder I wonder that. could i bear apologize and what you sympathize with me watch your close friend baby if your enemies can't do no harm yeah, yeah it was a very like, sweet if like you
1: have a good friend that's a girl <laughs> Be nice to her, which is not the message in literally. And then 3220 I'm going to cut her down, <laughs> <laughs>
0: which again, yeah. like, but that's, I think, you know, some, somewhat of hip hop too, uh, that people obviously are like against, you know, crazy outlandish lyrics. And I find it hard to listen to sometimes mm-hmm. just growing up and growing older and just like not having the space in my brain. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, even, uh, you know, People that I like would say a lot of it is just fantasy storytelling. Oh, right? sure. You're sort of blowing off steam. You're doing whatever. And there's certainly
1: like a like an area, and there of is that, that too. But sure, some of it just yeah.
0: But it's a part of a larger thing. That's that's also part of what you're saying too. Right. It's like more context. I would want. more. Yes. I need more for stuff like that because it's tough to it's tough to condone it. It's tough right. to be like, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that one's a very very nice one. And then one that I really love, Stones in the Pathway. Um, Grail Marcus wrote about this song. He said, "Quote: uh, This song is, quote, of a man who once asked for power over other souls, but who now testifies that he lost power over his own body and who might well see that disaster as a fitting symbol of the loss of his soul. I got
2: stones in the pastway and my room seemed dark at night. Stones in a placeway and roasting dog at night. I have pains in my heart. They have taken my appetite. I have a bird
1: to Is that the one we he's talking about having a third leg to carry around? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. a is bad is that his dick? Probably.
0: Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. So it's probably think. like a I wish I didn't have this. This giant dick. <laughs> it's really become a burden. <laughs> Maybe that's a medical condition. <laughs> I mean,
1: we'll we never know. The, the man's an enigma.
0: That's true. <laughs> we will never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, this song is just really great. Great lines. You know, I got stones in my pathway and all my roads seem dark at night. Again, playing on the road imagery, which is just like super rock and roll famous. I mean, mm-hmm. I, bands I listen to to this day literally will write one record of like their life experience up to. 20 years of their life or whatever and then go on the road for one fucking summer and, and now, then it's the six records just road about songs. road songs <laughs> uh and i'm here for it i live for it and you know i just got back from my road trip which we'll talk about l- later on the real pod uh and i live for i love it i love it and i've been on many a dark road
1: we gotta I, live some life to write some songs on. man
0: i i agree absolutely and you know i love the bridge and this is a good one this is like a because usually it's that it's a standard blues sort of thing he might sing a weird enough bridge but this one actually has like a proper bridge this is like a proper verse i don't know if there's a chorus but kind of like, it's got this nice little bridge part um where he sings uh, now you're I'm trying, to, trying to take my life and all my love and to laid a pathway for me, me. Now, now what are
2: you what trying, are you to, trying do? To, to do crying, i'm crying please please me in Fantastic as anybody who's just
0: been on the road before, or seen a road. I think you can relate to this. Or
1: as a giant dick.
0: Or as a giant dick. <laughs> also, there's a line in here: "My enemies have betrayed me; have overtaken poor Bob at last."
1: I know he refers to himself as Bob so many times. I know. And I, I was like,
0: "Well, and I'm, I'm seeing Bob over here." I'm Bob, like, "So many bobs So many Bob's traveling Riverside Blues. Uh, excellent. Uh, this was. A song, an alternate take that was a part of the 1998 remaster was put on, on this record, uh, was a song that was thought lost. It was the last the last uh, Robert Johnson song that was found, oh, wow. if you will, in 1998. So right after the complete collection was uh, put out in 1990. So hmm. it's on the Centennial Collection because 2011 is when that came out for gotcha. his birth. Uh, but Traveling Riverside Blues is, is great. And this is another one where uh, that lick, which is very similar to the the rolling and tumbling lick, he'll do the same. I got a woman in Vicksburg, cleaned down to ten.
1: Yeah, it really, I, I like that a lot. The weird staccato yeah. slide stuff it does, it like really that, and that's part of call and response too, right? Yeah. You're calling to the instrument, and it's responding to you.
0: And at the end too, that, that's a great point. And at the end, he would do a lot of uh, a lot of moments where he would be spe- like speaking almost like affirming what he was saying, Mm. like in a spoken word, which would be like perfect for someone else to be doing. Right. But it's just Just him, him. which is also fucking amazing. Right. And I'm fucking here for it.
1: Uh, Uh, After listening to this for a while, because we've been listening to it for a month month, now, um, I didn't, none of the lyrics stood out to me a lot, Mm. just because, I don't know, they seem so obvious, like hellhound is important because here's this imagery about uh, lynch mobs and all this kind of stuff that's like, it's only obvious to me now because I watch the documentaries and I right. have the knowledge. Right, right, Sure, sure. None of that was me. But, but. that's
0: but that's a, a unique example. The rest of them are just pretty just but. Kind of quotidian life. Sort of
1: things as far as like, I don't know why this one out of almost all of the songs stood out to me. Uh, there's a line in Traveling Riverside Blues where he says, She's got a lean on my body, mortgage on my soul. It's mm. like that stuck out. That was one of the coolest lines oh, ever. That was a cool line because, again, not mean, and it's mean, just like, you, yeah, yeah. I know it's just like
0: oh. it's uh, it's called Play on Words. I love it, it's, it's <laughs> wonderful. And of course, uh, this one I, I've never been able to decipher, but now you can squeeze my lemon till the juice oh, runs down my. Leg baby, you you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what he's talking. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's how that goes. Uh this was um 1937, Roosevelt Sykes released She Squeezed My Lemon. So he probably got the idea from that. And then the lemon song by Led Zeppelin. Um took lines from this squeezing my lemon thing. Uh later sued by Arc Music, uh, who published Helen Wolf's songs. Uh Helen Wolf got a check. For the Lemon Song, not specifically about this Robert Johnson sure, part, okay. but for other things that they took in that. Uh, so Helen Wolf, who's prominently featured in our BBC documentary, uh, you got a check for forty five thousand one hundred twenty three dollars and a songwriting credit, which I checked on Spotify and it's there for Led Zeppelin's Lemon Song. For the Lemon Song. Wow. Yep. So it's under Chester Bur- Burnett, which is his real name. Wow.
1: Uh,
0: so yeah, if you because uh, you can check the credits on Spotify. Be so.
1: careful next time you talk about lemons.
0: Yeah. Helen Wolfe. Wolf. I mean, that would be incredible. Maybe incredible. we should
1: maybe we should intentionally st- sing song about lemon so we can summon Helen Wolf. or we could just sue Helen Wolf and then he'd show up in court and be like, hey.
0: Yeah. We drop the oh my god,
1: why don't we just sue, sue people everybody. we want to meet?
0: <laughs> That's great. Yes. This is we're gonna stop the podcast right now. So we can go sue Bob Dylan.
1: <laughs>
0: we have access to legal stuff. We could just make up a little subpoena.
1: Send a subpoena to Helen Wolf. There we go. You must show up here. Oh, yeah. Your, what is it like?
0: For your album deposition.
1: What is the scary language? It's like, comes here now. Yeah. <laughs> it is hereby
0: declared. Fail not for in your, in your peril something. Peril. <laughs> and then uh, probably another cl- clunker uh, is Milk Cow Calf Blues. Oh, uh, the God. The milk turning blue. His uh, milk cow, which is definitely a woman. Um, a milk cow been rambling hoo-hoo for miles around. This song's fucking disgusting. While well, she's been troubling some other bull cow. Woo-woo. In this man's town, uh, the conflagration of the man and the cows. She's a cow, he's a cow, but we're in a man's everyone's town. a cow, cow. But I guess <laughs> I guess they're cows and he's a man. So why would
1: he even want to be with
0: her if she's a cow and disgusting? And that's a bull cow and because he's a man.
1: The, the other version of this song, he says she wants to suck some other bull cow.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your your calf is hungry. Hoo hoo. I believe he needs a suck.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: But your milk is turning blue. Hoo hoo. I believe he's out of luck. Fucking gross. It's it's a tough look. Tough look for Robert Johnson on that one. Uh, two classics to close it out. Uh, Me and the Devil Blues. Um, this was his from his final recording session. Uh, it's probably one of the most famous of his, and definitely adds to the lore that we talked about in part one. I mean, this is like the song. Early this morning. Ooh. When you knocked upon my door and I said, hello, Satan,
1: I believe it's time to go. (laughs) It doesn't get any more fucking explicit. (laughs) Hello, Satan.
0: And also it's like at the end, unfortunately, because it's like if he had another recording session, he probably would have kept going with this imagery. Right. Because he was obviously getting more confident and like just kind of had all these songs he wanted to get out. And clearly it was the songs right at the end that are just like, I want to fucking talk about hell and the devil and demons. Yeah, man. I'm going to eat a fucking bat next time I get into the hotel room. (laughs) I promise. Yep. I swear to God.
1: And you managed to get a line in there about beating women. So that's always nice
0: too. Uh, yeah. Me and the devil. Ooh. was walking by my side. I'm going to beat my woman <laughs> until I get satisfied. Cool. See, I like that until I get satisfied. Why not until the devil gets satisfied? At right. least you can like wash your hands a bit of that and be like, I'm indemnified. The right. devil asked me to do this. No. Yep. I'm just going to do it I mean, apropos of nothing. I'm just going to do it till I'm satisfied. Yep. doesn't have anything to do with the song.
1: Nope.
0: Uh, and then we'll just <laughs> just... I mean, Turn. the devil
1: made me do it is not an excuse to hurt anyone, but uh, at least it'd be nice for this song.
0: <laughs> I would expect you, fellow human, to stand up to the devil.
1: Yeah, that's right. And die. And say no to the devil. And then he
0: would kill me, and then that would be that, I guess. But, you know, say no to the um, devil, exactly.
1: Are we a Christian podcast? Uh, this
0: is a Christian podcast, for sure. Oh, wow. You may bury my body, ooh, ooh, down by the riverside, so my evil spirits can get a Greyhound bus and ride. I love it. So good. Oh,
1: Fantastic. yeah, and then he says something about, like, I don't care where you bury me when I'm dead. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's a good line.
0: It's all great. It's all great. Hellhound on my trail, also great. What a what a way to really put this to the end of the record. So where do hellhounds come from? Uh, Pre-Supernatural and pre-Robert Johnson, but post-Greek mythology, we had a couple of uh, mentions in popular music about hellhounds. We had Sylvester Weaver's Devil Blues in 1927, uh, Funny Paper Smith in 1931 with uh, Howlin' Wolf Blues Number 3, uh, the Bidville Quintets 1926 Religious Recording, Show pity, Lord. And Johnny Temple, uh, Johnny Temple and Drew, and Joe McCoy had two songs uh, in nineteen thirty five and nineteen thirty four called "The Evil Devil Blues." Sort of the same song, just a little bit different. And then Skip James adapted it into "Devil Got My Woman," which Johnson, which is the one that Johnson uses for the basis of the song, mm. and then puts the song on. So those are the Hellhounds in because it is a Greek mythological con. It's not just like made up or something like that. I mean, supernatural
1: would never lie to us the television the television oh, oh sure, kind of sure supernatural sure. sorry i thought you meant the idea of the supernatural
0: no no pre-supernatural sure sure so pre what 1990
1: when did that start who knows uh in the 60s i think it's been on for 600 years it's
0: been on so. forever uh this one is great i got to keep moving i got to keep moving you know th- this one is highly prominent in the remastered mm-hmm. uh, documentary you know sprinkled the hot foot powder right um on my door
1: and I, I loved learning that the fact that this is very clearly about running from a lynch mob and just like mm. that really puts you into this fucking even pre pre Jim Crow South right like this. I
0: mean, Jim Crow was per, yeah I mean I guess so
1: yeah but like the idea that if you're in the South and the sun goes down you're yeah. fucked you're if fucked. you are a black person yeah. because we can just kill you for fun yeah and that's just like that's devastating and the way that he sings it, it this is definitely the spookiest hair mm. raising track for oh, sure. yeah, it
0: is like his however he does mm-hmm. his voice on this one. It just feels like it's been recorded differently, too. It's like mm-hmm. something about it's been like tweaked enough it's... to be real scary. Just
1: desperate. Yeah, it's yeah incredible. So and that's, and that's
0: what leads me to say if, if Bob heard this song on country blues or something, he would not have forgotten.
1: Oh, that. there's no way. That'll oh, stick to you. For...
2: I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. Mm -hmm.
0: After listening to this record, uh, and it might have been a version of this record, because he does mention other songs uh, like Dead Shrimp Blues, which did not actually end up on this, but do end up on uh, part two. So I think he was listening to a, a different version of what did become King of the King Delta, Delta, Delta Blues Singers, oh, okay. or he's conflating things. And again, it's probably that because who is an enigma like Robert Johnson, Bob Dylan? He can just say stuff, and we're like, "Yeah, Bob, maybe that was on the That's record." And it's right. like
1: not. It's not.
0: You're he just saying make something later. A movie later.
1: in 2019 that was only half accurate, and we believe every fucking word of it.
0: Every fucking word. <laughs> At the end of his, his rumination on uh, Robert Johnson, he says in Chronicles, quote, I copied Johnson's words down on scraps of paper so that I could more closely examine the lyrics and patterns, the construction of his old style lines, and the free association that he used, the sparking allegories, big ass truths wrapped in a hard shell of nonsensical abstraction, themes that flew through the air with the greatest of ease. I didn't have any of these dreams or thoughts, but I was going to acquire them. I thought about Johnson a lot, wondered who his audience could have been. It's hard to imagine Croppers or plantation field hands at hop joints relating to songs like these you have to wonder if johnson was playing for an audience that only he could see one off in the future the stuff i got will bust your brains out he sings johnson was serious like the scorched earth so post king of the delta blue singers we do have a couple of more things because he only had again 41 songs total so 1970 we get king of the delta blue singers volume two where I think a lot of our, our favorite songs anyway are gonna be on there. Uh, love in Vain Blues is mm-hmm. on here, which I love. They're red hot. Probably like low key one of my favorite Robert Johnson songs. For sure. Uh, Photograph Blues, Sweet Home Chicago,
1: which is insane
0: and cr- crazy. I, I believe I'll dust my broom and and drunken hearted man like just unique songs, unique interesting songs. Nope, just on, we'll put them on <laughs> on the next. Well, I mean, That's I guess
1: also Bob Dylan. <laughs> that sounds good.
0: Let's cut it. Let's cut it. Well, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, they went and scoured um, more of his masters and found these tracks. Um, they wanted to have 16 tracks like they did on the first one. They couldn't get to 16. So they put Ramblin' On My Mind and Preaching Blues back on this one, even though they were on the first one. Nice. So classic stuff. But very importantly, on the back of the second volume, when they thought they were done, uh, Columbia printed a minor statement that said... Quote, the selections are in the public domain. Oh. They didn't know who owned the rights. Nobody's, there was no contract for Robert Johnson. Right. Who knew what was going on here? Well, wouldn't
1: they go to Vocalion? Like, when they go well, talk they to probably, Vocalion? Well, they probably,
0: they probably bought them from that. I mean, Vocalion didn't exist anymore, I don't think. Oh, yeah. In 1960, well, 1970, especially. No, right. I think yeah. they were long gone. So, I mean, so they, so again, they're getting paid. Columbia's reaping the, the money from sure. it. Clearly. But they, you know, it, In their business, they're going to set aside, based on the contracts, where this money is going to go. So for them, they're not going to spend the money because it's not technically theirs until they can, I guess, confirm it. I guess I don't know exactly how it would work, right? Because if nobody ever came forward, you can't just pile, pile money up, right? I mean, something's got to happen to it at some point. So, But in this case, they didn't know. So like they weren't paying out any royalties. So they were probably putting the money away in a rainy day fund. And they were probably just recouping their own costs from and waiting for that phone
1: call. That's like, hey, these are mine.
0: Well, and so that's what kind of ended up happening right after this. Our boy Mac McCormick, uh, who we saw in Robert Johnson,
1: historiographer, I guess.
0: Right. So in the end, he died in 2015. He he never released any of his information on robert johnson he never released his uh the biography was or he was going to call it um biography of a phantom never came out
1: oh really he never Uh, actually published a book
0: no so apparently this is a whole nother story uh out there there was mac mccormick and there was a guy who wrote the liner notes and really kind of put a lot another big robert johnson fan called peter Levere. peter Levere, mac mccormick these two guys were essentially vying for what was going to become of Robert Johnson. Hmm. So Mac McCormick got there first, if you will, found people who were somewhat related. Cause they didn't know about Claude. They didn't know about
1: his actual any other, like son. Yeah, his family, mom yeah. would
0: have still been alive as well, but didn't know where she was or how to get in touch. So they found without getting too deep into it, they found the girl who had the first known photograph and Mac McCormick was there first They signed a little rights deal, right? I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna. This is pretty standard stuff. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna publish stuff, and I'm gonna, you know, talk about Robert Johnson. But this is clearly your property that you're part of this. So I'm going to give you money from this, you know. So I'm gonna give you whatever our contract says. His contract, uh, Mac McCormick's, was probably a little more standard than Peter 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 Levert went to the same girl. Who produced another photograph. So they had two photographs this time, the two big ones that we know about. And his contract was a 50% or 50-50, which is unheard of, essentially. Uh, So he was going to be getting 50% of the rights to the likeness of this image. Holy shit. What was probably worse about it is that in the end, they were going to release the complete recordings around 1974 was when this was happening. Mac McCormick was heard about this deal with Peter Lever or whatever and was like, no, I also have a contract. And because they didn't want to deal with the legal repercussion said, we're not going to pursue this anymore. So they shelved the project. The complete recordings didn't come out until 1990 after – you know, another 20 years just waiting to see who made the next move. So it was essentially quiet for, for a long time, Mm. but they finally went ahead and did it instead of, and it was a huge hit. So the, the complete recordings were released on August 28th, 1990 by Columbia It sold over a million records. It won a Grammy for Best Historical Album. The Blues Foundation inducted it immediately in 1992 into its Blues Hall of Fame. And it's included in the National Recording Preservation Board at the Library of Congress in 2003. Eventually, that would happen. But instead of taking the money that they could have put, and they do this for other accounts like this, put whatever the contract says, in this case 50%, putting it in escrow and giving it to the family, they just gave it all to Laverne because Laverne knew people knew like John Hammond's his dad was friends with John Hammond. It just like he had just this inside thing and they just gave him all the money to give to the family. In the end, he wrote him a check for like $48,000 or something like that. So they of course went to court and all this kind of shit. And it kind of doesn't matter anymore because in 20, what was it? 2010 or something, 2008, 2005, something like that. They found Claude and they Mm -hmm. just stripped everything from him. and was like, you're, you're the, the heir this is yours. So but it's kind of crazy to think that in this interim between 61, I mean if not 1938, but really since he was selling these records, 61 all the way to 1990 there so was this money piling up. Money, money piling up and he became a millionaire off of it. Lavere and Lavere died 5 weeks after Mac McCormick in wow. 2015 as well. So they are both dead, but it's a pretty it's a really, really interesting tale. We'll talk about it a little tiny bit more on thirty two twenty blues. There's a really big uh, article that came out in the Los Angeles Times in nineteen ninety one that you can find online. Uh it's been updated for like a book by the by the author who put it in like a book about a bunch of other blues stuff. Um, and you can find that at Long Reads, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But I found that fucking I found that fascinating uh, because it is kind of an interesting question. And then in 2011, they did the Centennial edition. Uh, originally, when the complete recordings came out, it was uh, the song and the alternate version back to back, which would be kind of annoying to listen to because you're listening to the same song twice over. Right. So they redid it to basically put in almost like a chronological, but putting the alternate takes at the end of the disc or whatever. So right. you can actually listen to it. And uh, that one in 2011 included the Traveling Riverside Blues that was found for the 1998 one. It was found in Alex Alex Loma, Alan Lomax's archives. Just hanging out. Because it's like, we should just check there. We first. should just go there first. I just feel like everything, you're like, am I missing my keys? Like, it's probably in Alan Lomax's library. Which like- is now part of the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. And then we could have done lots of other things. You can do the Trail of the Hellhound. The National Park Service actually has a, a curated journey throughout the entire Delta where you can go from Mississippi to all the way to Memphis, all the way through That's Arkansas. Cool. And you can go to the very first spot in there was W.C. Handy's mm-hmm. uh, place where he got the blues with the with the knife. Uh, so you can actually visit that place where the guy was standing. That's hmm. the very first place that you go to. Father of the Blues, never forget. That's right. W.C. Handy. Uh, he made it up himself.
1: That's right. No. Uh,
0: so you can go do that, and that would be really fascinating to do. And we were actually joking about it, like, why would we anybody ever go to the South? But I would, uh, I would. That's the only reason I would go. I would, I would go for those things because yeah. they're fascinating, and it's just amazing to think that this nondescript building or something could have giving the world this. It's pretty cool. I love those little things. And then I think the only other thing, I don't know if you remember back in 2004, Me and Mr. Johnson by Eric Clapton came out. No. It's a big deal. Yeah. We put it on our playlist. Not for me. No. Not for me. He does love the guy. And I and I respect that. I, I like that. And I'm glad people are still taking his songs and playing them. It's like Woody Guthrie, you know, reinterpreting his songs or like what Wilco and them did, you know, having a bunch of songs that didn't have, they just had lyrics and, and reinterpreting reinterpreting what they could have possibly sounded like in a today's world, but it's about giving
1: deference and like giving credit where credit's due, because I saw a short thing of, uh, it might've been in that 97 documentary where Clapton was like, I'll never be this good. Like no matter how hard I try, I'll never be better than Robert Johnson. And I don't know if he means that necessarily technically because Eric Clapton's considered one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Yeah. But oh, his what, version of crossroads is like a famous, famous. Oh, yeah. Song. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe he means more like I'll never be able to, in and, and caps like capture that spirit and i think that's a lot of like it's because it's drenched in slavery and like oppression and yeah. like you just that might be something you can never tap into sure but i appreciate that he puts it forward yeah. and being like this is this is not mine this is authenticity somebody's. is a
0: hard thing to come by mm-hmm. and i think especially when you become really really famous it feels out of your grasp for sure oh yeah and especially for someone like him he lived a real public life and he did some crazy ass shit yeah. and um it's hard to live a life of authenticity when you're living a, a hedonistic life. I mean, this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> Heathen, Heathen. <laughs> Going to hell, Eric Clapton.
1: Well, He's a bit of a phoenix too, right? He's had a couple like lifetimes on him mm. where he's like it should bottomed be out dead and come back. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. You know, and by, like Bob Dylan lived in a life of excess too, but he somehow kept it grounded. And I think that authenticity, I think he would probably say something the same about Bob. The Robert Johnson month is over.
1: Kelly. Um, Not yet, I have one important thing to say Things that are vaginas slash women Evil Dressers, oh, wow. sweet riders, Chicago maybe Good friends, wow. nation sacks, mojo Numerous parts of a car we've got Oil, hood, headlights, coils, generator spark plugs uh, An entire Terraplane uh, yeah. Phonographs, 38 specials maybe th- Hot tamales, good golf, gas, shrimp in a pond Goggle-eyed perches and milk cows Things that are sex Ooh. Oh oh squeezing lemons sucking on bull cows dusting brooms <laughs> coming in kitchens get, getting down in in connections mashing down on starters heisting hoods flashing your flashing lights uh playing phonographs fishing in ponds rambling through dresser drawers
0: wow i wasn't ready for that you're welcome well on that note i think we leave <laughs> we leave the blues behind you know, I, I kind of, like, next year want to do something radically out of left field. Something, I don't know, I don't know what. Maybe, like, Patty Smith or something like that. Ooh, something, that'd be good. Proto Punk. Let's yeah, let's, punk. like, move on oh, yeah. a little bit in time. Something like that. Yeah, Patty Smith would be some great. some women in here, yeah. So, I mean, we, we're going to do Joni. Joni would be fine, but it's, I think it's a little too close to this. Yeah. Like, I want to do Dave, but it would be better to do, you know, do folk and then do a rock. And then, yeah. do, like, Dave will feel better. After we do like Patty's, bath. I think Patty yeah. would be fine. and there's obviously I a mean, connection there too, and, so. and, the, and the connection. Yeah. So, and we, you know, yeah, I would like to listen to the book and stuff because she just released a second part of her memoir. So, mm. we definitely do that. I think it would be pretty. That would actually be pretty nice. Well, Kelly, uh, Robert Johnson month is over. We'll see you if you just like these months. I guess we'll see you next year. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you listen to the rest of the podcast. But if you don't, <laughs> <laughs> can
1: you imagine if there's somebody that was like, I'm only listening to your once a year thing that you do? Loved
0: Woody. Love the band. Mm -hmm. Loving Robert Johnson. Can't wait for next year. See ya.
1: (laughs) hate Bob Dylan. Goodbye. Yeah.
0: I don't know why I'm here. I wish they would stop talking about Bob Dylan. (laughs) Anyways, join us next week as we talk about Bob Dylan. And then we continue (laughs) to talk about Bob Dylan. Because we're almost at 100, Kelly. This is going to be episode 97. We're so close. So we'll see you on our path to 100. Is it like enough now for a hashtag?
1: Hashtag path path to 100. Path
0: to 100. (laughs) All right, Kelly. I'll see you. Next
2: time. Okay, bye. Well, it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell. When all your love's in vain, all your love's in vain. And the train rolled up to the station, and I looked her in the eye. When the train rolled up to the station, I looked her in the eye, well I felt lonesome, I was lonesome, and I could not help but cry all my love and dance.